Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. <clears throat> we have a terrific show for you today, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Our topic will be courage. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now an author of many murder mysteries, including his latest, No Problem. It is August the 21st, and on this day in 1959, the modern United States received its crowning star when President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a proclamation admitting Hawaii into the Union as the 50th state. The president also issued an order for an American flag featuring 50 stars arranged in staggered rows, five six-star rows and four five-star rows. The new flag became official July the 4th, 1960. The first known settlers of Hawaii's islands were Polynesian voyagers who arrived sometime in the 8th century. In the early 18th century, American traders came to Hawaii to exploit the island's sandalwood, which was much valued in China at the time. In the 1830s, the sugar industry was introduced to Hawaii, and by the mid-19th century, it had become well-established. American missionaries and planters occupied the island and brought about massive changes in Hawaii's political, cultural, economic, and religious life. In 1840, a constitutional monarchy was established, stripping the Hawaiian monarch of much of his authority. In 1893, a group of American expatriates and sugar planters supported by a division of U.S. Marines deposed Queen Lilikualani, the last reigning monarch of Hawaii. One year later, the Republic of Hawaii was established as a U.S. protectorate with Hawaiian-born Sanford B. Dole as president Many in Congress opposed the formal annexation of Hawaii, as it was not until 19, or excuse me, 1898, following the use of the naval air base at Pearl Harbor during the Spanish-American War, that Hawaii's strategic importance became evident <clears throat> and formal annexation was approved. Two years later, Hawaii was organized into a formal U.S. territory. During World War II, Hawaii became firmly ensconced in the American national identity following the surprise Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in December 1941. And of course, if you haven't read James Michener's classic, Hawaii, it is a terrific read. And uh, uh, just, uh, of course, he's a great writer, especially like uh, his, uh, his novel on Chesapeake as well. But James Michener's Hawaii, you can read my, and find out more. And just uh, an update on Lahaina. Uh, Lahaina death toll rose to 114 Saturday, with 85 of burned areas scorched, 10 bodies, uh, t I should say 85 of burned areas searched, uh, 10 bodies positively identified, and roughly 1,000 people still missing. Now, the heat of the fire must have been so extreme that bodies were literally vaporized. And uh, so they're depending on DNA and a number of other factors in order to try, try to identify these peoples that are obviously burned but missing. 
Well, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that nearly 430,000 applications have been received for students for a scholarship under the Florida Tax Credit Scholarship and Family Empowerment Scholarship. Out of the historic number of applications, over 407,000 students have already been awarded a scholarship with more applications moving through the approval process. This year, Governor DeSantis signed House Bill 1, which expanded school choice for school uh, Florida students and families, allowing more families to choose the educational setting that best fits their child's need. Today's participation numbers <clears throat> represent a monumental increase over last year's enrollment of nearly 250,000 students in scholarship programs. And here's a quote. With our historic move to universal school choice, families in record numbers are choosing the best educational options for their children, said Governor DeSantis. I'm proud of the work we've done so far, but we're far from done. Done. We'll continue to empower parents and expand opportunities so that our students receive the very best possible education. The Florida Tax Credit Scholarship and the Family Empowerment Scholarship provide funds for tuition and fees as a participating private school, as well as curriculum and related materials and other contract services or transportation to Florida public school other than the students assigned school. <clears throat> so it's a terrific program. Uh, uh, <clears throat> column in the uh, perspective section of the Naples Daily News this weekend saying that uh, school choice is destroying our democracy. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. And parents know best what's good for their children and how they want their kids to be uh, raised. So uh, this is, I, I think, I just really applaud the work that Florida, its governor, and its legislator have accomplished. In addition, <clears throat> Governor DeSantis uh, uh, announced Friday <clears throat> Florida has continued to the standard for economic success. Private sector uh, growth rate increased by 0.5% in July, five times faster than the national average of 0.1% over the same period. Florida's economic data continues to indicate economic stability and confidence among Florida's workforce as the state labor force grew by 2.6% over the year in 2023, 20, uh, faster than the national over-the-year uh, rate of 1.9%. For the last four years, Florida has led the nation with more than 2.5 million new businesses formations and over 1 million Floridians joining the workforce, said Governor DeSantis. Florida's success is a direct result of freedom-first policies that support business owners and keep job seekers along with record investments in workforce education and infrastructure that spur economic growth. And he's right about that. We should be so grateful, <clears throat> again, of <clears throat> excuse me, maintaining uh, freedom here in the state of Florida. Well, Hurricane Hillary made landfall in Southern California over the weekend, bringing wind gusts of to up to 80 miles per hour and dumping a half a foot of rain in some spots across the region. The storm has intensified into a Category 3 system by the end of last week, losing steam as it approached the United States before eventually arriving as a tropical storm. Well, the storm's weakened, but it's not reducing the amount of rain that's coming. Landfall of tropical storms and hurricanes along Southern California's coast is extremely rare. The city of San Diego only saw one tropical storm, storm during the 20th century, a system in 1939 that caught, uh, caught most of the population off guard and led to more than 100 deaths. Climate scientists attribute the storm in part to the current El Nino weather pattern, which warms water in the eastern Pacific and fuels storm activity. 
California's desert town of Palm Springs, which typically sees about a half an inch of precipitation per summer, logged multiple inches of rain over the course of just a few hours. Separately, as the rain was falling, Ventura County, where we lived for 10 years, was hit with a 5.1 magnitude earthquake. No injuries were reported as of uh, right now. So again, not only uh, <laughs> a tropical storm coming that way, but also an earthquake, 5.1 magnitude. Well, the Lunar 25 spacecraft, the Russian robot lander, has spun out of control and the orbit has crashed into the moon, the country's space agency reported Sunday. The apparatus moved into an unpredictable orbit and ceased to exist as the result of a collision with the surface of the moon, the agency said in a statement. The agency also said it lost control of the spacecraft Saturday amid uh, preparation for a pre-landing orbit. Just three governments, China and the Soviet Union and the United States, have successfully landed on the moon, but none have landed on the moon's south pole, as Russia was attempting to do. And apparently uh, that was a failed attempt, but I believe India is going to make another attempt this week to try and land on the south pole of the moon. The fascination, we'll try to explore that a little bit with Mark Schulman later in the show to find out <clears throat> exactly what is the attraction of the south pole. I think it may have something to do with, with uh, water that has been identified and, of course, the temperature that's never seen the light of day because the moon doesn't rotate. So the consequence is it's minus 300 degrees Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit on the south pole of the moon. Well, President Donald Trump plans to skip the GOP debate and instead take an interview with Tucker Carlson. Boy, there's a lot of irony in this. Trump is a frontrunner by double digits in the 2024 GOP presidential primary. And some polls show him beating uh, President Joe Biden in the general election. When you're leading by seemingly insurmountable numbers and you have a hostile network with angry Trump and MAGA-hating anchors asking the questions, why subject yourself to being libeled and abused, Trump said earlier this year on True Social. <clears throat> he will instead be doing an interview online with Tucker Carlson, who streams his show on X, or what was formerly uh, Twitter. According to the New York Times, he was given the impression that he would uh, make a surprise appearance at the debate despite being otherwise suggesting otherwise publicly. RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel made a special trip to Bedminster Golf Club to try to convince the former president and GOP favorite to join the August 23rd debate in Milwaukee. Trump will reportedly have an interview with Tucker Carlson as a counter-program to the debate. <clears throat> With uh, Carlson's firing in the spring, it's also seen as a jab at Fox News, the network hosting the debate for the primary candidates. As you may be aware, that uh, there, uh, people on Fox News are not even uh, able to say Tucker Carlson on the show. And as of Friday in the 538 uh, polling averages for the Republican primary, Trump has a wide lead at 54% compared to Florida Governor DeSantis at 15.7%. President candidate uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is third with nearly 8%, and others are far behind. So there you have it. Uh, the, the debate is going to come, and I suspect the viewership is going to be quite way down as a result of Trump not participating. <clears throat> and by the way, this is disappointing, but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suggested that those who slavishly support President Trump for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination and everything he says on social media are listless vessels. 
if we are in a listless vessels that are just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on True Social every morning, that's not going to be durable, a durable movement. <laughs> it's not durable. I would say it's pretty durable. DeSantis said it's in a taped interview with the uh, conservative website, the Florida Standard, that was released Saturday. The Trump campaign quickly demanded an apology. To Hillary Clinton, Trump supporters are deplorable, said uh, Caroline Levitt. She's the spokesperson from uh, New Hampshire, just terrific young lady. For uh, Make America Great Again Incorporated, to Ron DeSantis, they're lessless vessels. The truth is Trump supporters are patriots. DeSantis must immediately apologize for his disgraceful insult, she said. This is the front runner in the primary with essentially every poll showing DeSantis in second, but trailing by double digits, she said. That's another misstep by uh, Ron said He didn't need to say that. And uh, if you're trying to garner votes and, and win, win over votes, you don't call them names. So uh, hopefully he'll take this experience and uh, use it as uh, experience to prepare him for the 2028 run uh, as a presidential candidate. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policy and proudly serve on their board, the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting the website thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, I hope Mark's okay. I called him, and uh, he's actually in Tel Aviv, and I uh, hope he's okay. He usually is a very responsible. He's been on the air every uh, week for the last 15 years, well, maybe with one or two exceptions, but uh, in any event, I hope he's okay. Uh, president Joe Biden is underwater on nearly every descriptor offered to judge a president, according to a poll. The Center Square Voters Voice Poll, conducted in conjunction with the Noble Predictive Insights, found that 49% of voters say Biden is not a strong leader compared to 36% who say that he is. My goodness, I don't know what they're looking at. But the survey also found that 49% say Biden does not have the judgment to serve effectively, while 40% say that he does. I mean, if you just take a look at some of the decisions he's made, it's just incredible how, how poor the decisions are. And I don't know where 40% say he does make good decisions. I just It's hard to believe that that's that high. But irrespective, with older voters, younger voters, he's underwater, Mike Noble found of Noble Predictive Insights, the group that conducted the poll. Same thing with uh, males and females. He performs much worse with males. He is uh, 20, minus 22% with males and only minus 8% with females. That's big gender difference. So I don't understand the attraction to Joe Biden uh, for female voters, but irrespective. Uh, <clears throat> but in all cases, older, younger, female, male, uh, he's underwater when it comes to popularity and uh, belief that he's the right guy uh, for the presidential job. Also, a Fox News poll published Thursday found that 58% of registered voters disapprove of the president's performance with the economy ranked as the top concern among the respondents. That's no surprise there. Eight in ten people said the economy is in bad shape. More than two-thirds, including one in three Democrats, say the disapproval of Biden's handling of inflation, the poll showed, despite easing inflationary pressure in recent months. The overall consumer index was up 3.2% year-over-year in July, but still far below the peak inflation rate of 9.1%. So here's the thing. Even if inflation drops, prices don't drop. We'd have to have deflation in order for prices to drop. So once the inflation gets up as hard as it has, and I think that's we've seen about cumulative about 16% inflation, uh, that means that it's there for good until unless we see price drops leading that will be a result of deflationary pressures. So it's just ironic to me that... Uh, uh, people, I sure, are quite upset right now. They're eating into their savings. Uh, in fact, one column I saw said that people are do not have the money in order to. Uh, they're running out of their savings at this point, so it's it's a it's a tough situation. Well, the Biden administration is quietly auctioning off millions of dollars worth of unused parts from the former President Trump's border wall, and they're doing it for peanuts 
in an apparent end run around pending legislation to Congress. Since April, GovPlanet, an online auction house specializing in military surplus, has sold 81 lots of steel square structural tubes intended for the use of vertical billards to the Bordis Barrier, 30-foot-tall panels, hauling in about $2 million. Now, put this in perspective. Uh, the cost of these materials are well into hundreds of millions of dollars, so they're selling them for pennies on the dollar. What a shame. On Tuesday, Planet Governor netted $154,200 for 729 of the 28-foot-tall hollow beams sold in five separate lots for an average of $212 apiece. They're probably worth thousands of dollars apiece. Thirteen more lots are set to be auctioned on August the 23rd, and August the 30th. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. Uh, right now, <clears throat> the solution to a lot of the border problems that we're having right now, they actually increased. They're increasing right now, not going down. Uh, that we'd, uh, The border wall would help solve a lot of those problems. Well, U.S. stock markets uh, closed mixed on Friday. It's down 0.01% for the S&P 500. The Dow was 0.1%, and the NASDAQ was down slightly. NASDAQ closed down for the fourth consecutive session. One of the big things hanging over the economy right now, of course, is Evergrande and, and the group of uh, the real estate company in China, China's second largest property developer, filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy protection in the United States. Now, what that means is not only could they go through bankruptcy in China, but they also could go through bankruptcy in, in the United States. In other words, it'd be a global bankruptcy, not just one country uh, like China. So how what this impact is going to have on the rest of the world and the economy, I have no idea. Nobody does. But the fact of the matter is that China is a big trader and there's a big influence in the, in the global markets. It's quite likely that we're going to see some contagion. We'll see some uh, results. We'll see some uh, playback if, in fact, China begins to struggle financially. They are experiencing deflation right now, and the economy is in dire straits. So uh, we're concerned about that. By the way, there's a private email account, robinware456 at gmail.com. Do you recognize that email? Well, it, was, it wasn't just any private account. It's one of those three pseudonym accounts used by Joe Biden. He, of course, he used it when he was vice president. So what's he hiding? Just more and more evidence demonstrating that, in fact, Biden is pulling a fast one on the American people, and more and more of this is coming out. Speaking of Biden, the White House has announced that its top lawyer will be leave next month after nearly uh, three years of serving as uh, President Biden in the, in the, uh, uh, for the President Biden as the attorney. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, 
We'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Gulf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions, Visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. I'm pleased to report that he's okay. I mentioned in the beginning of the last segment that uh, uh, he, he wasn't available. Now he is, and we're so grateful for it. He's the founder and uh, present publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, you're in Tel Aviv, as I mentioned to our listeners. Uh, any news in uh, in Israel? Well, the only news this morning there was another terror attack on the West Bank. A woman was killed; another was very seriously wounded. There was a terror attack on Saturday as well. So it's an ongoing problem um, that you know there's no no easy solution for. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, lone terrorists. In other words, these are, each of these cases are one one person with a gun shooting people. Um, in this case today, it was people in a car. On Saturday, it was people at a car wash. Yeah. So um, that's an ongoing problem that there's no easy solution. In the meantime, you know, the um, judicial overhaul con- is sort of on hold because the Israeli parliament is on vacation uh, through September. Um, but the streets continue to be busy. The um, Saturday night, there was once again 100,000-plus people in the streets protesting against the plan. Wow. So, you know, this is the, was the 33rd week. Just think of that. 33 weeks, 100,000-plus. Sometimes they reached 150, 160,000 people in the streets of Tel Aviv every single week coming out. So this is so. not a minor issue to the Israelis, for sure. No, absolutely not. It, it woke a whole... There's an underlying issue that exists in the country between secular and religious, and the religious, the ultra-religious are trying to get a permanent exemption from the army. And, of course, that doesn't go well with the seculars who all go to the army, right. and even some of the more modern religious. And so that's, the, that's part of this whole thing, because the ultra-religious want the judicial reform 
because previous attempts to give them an exemption failed when the Supreme Court said it wasn't fair. It wasn't, you know, how can you give one group an exemption while everyone else has to go fight? Right. Um, so they want, to, well, part of the reason they want this judicial overhaul is to have an override so they can override the Supreme Court when it decides that exempting them isn't fair. When they get it wrong, right? <laughs> right. So, which, of course, is not justice at all. So, uh, Mark, by the way, I read a story that the United States had decided it was advised not to send money to the Palestinians because for fear that it might end up in the hands of Hamas. They said, you know what, we're going to do it anyhow. You know anything about that? No, I mean, look, the, the United States has been giving money to the Palestinian Authority for, for a long time. Uh, Hamas is in, in Gaza and controls it. There are Hamas elements. Look, the problem, this is, again, this becomes a really difficult problem because on one hand, the Palestinian Authority has been working together with Israel over most of the period of time to try to limit terrorism. Yeah. On the other hand, they're beginning to lose control. Yeah. And part of the reason they're losing control is because they don't have enough money. Part of the reason they're losing control is because they have a president who was elected once uh, 12, 15 years ago, and he's 86 years old. And he makes uh, Trump and Biden look young, um, so uh, you know it's um, it's a problem. And and so the question is, what do you do? Do you turn off? If you turn off the money, you're guaranteeing that Hamas comes to power. If you continue giving money, you know that maybe some of the money is going to go in the wrong places. On the other hand, you keep the status quo as long as you can. So yeah. it's, again, we have so many dilemmas where it's difference between bad and worse. Right. So, so, Mark, uh, let's let's move to Ukraine. Any any developments at all that? In so the Ukraine, the two the two major developments over the past week. <clears throat> One is not really a major development; it's a continuation. Um, the continuation is that the Ukrainians continue to make incremental uh, advances. In other words, no breakthroughs, but every single week they gain some more territory. They push the Russians back a little bit more. Uh, they're killing more Russians. Um, it seems the Cluster ammunitions are also having a positive effect in terms of the mines, etc. Um, so uh, that's been going on, and the Ukrainians, like I said, keep on making small incremental improvements. Mm. Um, the um, on the other side, they've also been doing a fair amount of deep uh, deep attacks inside of Russia with drones. They've been attacking Moscow. They've been attacking some of the Black Sea uh, fleet. Um, not great success, but not no success either. Is this a major um, so development that the F-16s are going to be provided? Well, F-16s, it's moving along. The Denmark is going to be giving the um, giving the Ukrainians 46 F-16s. That's a lot. Um, and um, other countries will, will as well, but they will probably won't be available for the battle until until January, give or take, because the Ukrainian pilots have to still be trained on them. Um, so we also have to keep in mind that these are the older F-16s, mm. you know, and sometimes... We're not giving them the latest version of F-16s, um, which could also be a problem. But, um, look, I mean, you know, one of the major factors is, of course, just trying to get enough material to them. Of uh, You know, the United States, I believe, allocated $40 billion in new equipment that it will either be to replace equipment the U.S. has given them and or new equipment for the Ukrainians, and only about 45% of that has actually been contracted because it just takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, it's a good thing. The U.S. military will be much stronger when this is all over because um, we're producing a lot more, uh, we'll be producing a lot more ammunition. Yeah, uh, that, and so. as I understand it, there's a development of a new type of technology and hypersonic missiles or something to that effect. Hypersonic missiles, we saw the Russians try it. They haven't been so successful. The Chinese claim to have it. 
and supposedly we have it as well. And we're, there's word that um, hypersonic missiles are being installed for the first time on the on the Zumwalt class of destroyers. That's the U.S.'s newest class of destroyers, and uh, one of them is being outfitted supposedly with the hypersonic missiles right now. There's some question about how you know, how important hypersonic missiles are. In other words, they're very fast. So on one hand, you could say, well, how can you defend against them? But on the other hand, they're hypersonic when they're out of the atmosphere. They're not hypersonic inside the atmosphere. So ah. when they come at the end point of their attack, they slow way down. Ah. And so they may not be as as you know tremendous a weapon as we think about. In other words, the hypersonic missile isn't the cruise missile. Uh, traveling and then it attacks at hypersonic speed. It gets to its target much faster, but on the other hand, once it reaches near its target, it becomes like any other missile. So, Mark, let's let's move to uh, elections. And in fact, there's a couple of uh, elections in Central America. I just wonder if you, how you'd characterize them and their import and what's going well, on. Well, um, so in Guatemala, we have um, a, um, a anti-corruption. Uh, candidate more than anything else. He's a newcomer to politics, um, and he won the runoff election. He's a sociologist from a new party, um, and it's made up mostly of urban professionals who they ran on, um, uh, how should I put it, they, they ran on a clean government. The person they were, he was running against was a, um, a uh, wife of a former president and considered an, uh, considered an establishment candidate. And, of course, we know in most of these countries there's a fair amount of corruption, and this new person is supposed to be quite something. Um, in Ecuador, we have a similar thing, um, where uh, an establishment leftist and a newcomer appear to be head, both heading for the Ecuador r- runoff. Um, it's not clear who's going to win, but um, the right-wing candidate certainly is not one of the people who's going to win at this point in um, there and you know, keep in mind the fact you know when we think right left, it's it's not the same as America at all. Mm-hmm. So you know, we 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 need to think differently. We're not in the time of communist versus socialist. It's just a different, a different atmosphere altogether. In most of these places, the most important thing, by far the most important thing, is that there are elections and they're free, and uh, whoever actually wins the election wins the election and takes office. And I think that's the most important thing we have to look for, and those are both good cases where we've had two free elections with no one questions where there's freedom in these elections, and I think that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of running on clean government, what a novel idea. <laughs> Maybe it'll touch right. on globally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, look, government problems are universal, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't make a difference what country you're in. The problems are all universal in terms of corruption because, you know, the problem is people in power, um, they, you know, they feel like they're entitled just right. as well as everybody else, and that's where <laughs> corruption comes from. Right. And, you know, we see that in all spheres of government. Usually the worst corruption, by the way, is on local governments. Right. Much more so than in national governments because local governments, you know, zoning and things like that, there's a lot of money at stake, and these are people who are not particularly wealthy. Yeah, I know. I have a, I have a uh, friend who's uh, moved to Belize, and uh, he said, you know, corruption is not systemic in Belize; it's transactional. So you pay somebody off in order to get something done. You know, it's kind of, that's kind of, in that simple way. Of course, a lot more advanced here in the United States in terms of our corruption. But the founding fathers got it right; they totally understood power and, and what it does to the people. And, and the necessity. Right, but unfortunately, the Supreme Court made a huge mistake about twenty years ago when they said that. 
uh, you know, money is free speech. Yeah, they and did say that, that, and it's hard to understand, especially in these times where you see where money has such impact on the results of the election. Right, it was a tremendous mistake. You know, it was a tremendous mistake. Money being free speech was was terrible, and you know, overturning some of the election or other parts of the election reform. It doesn't make it Democrat, Republicans, all of them are equally corrupt, and right. even if they're not, even if the people aren't inherently corrupt, the the system is so corrupt that they have to spend all this time raising money, yeah. and it's just a corrupt, corrupt system in and of itself, and has nothing to do with the individuals in it. Well, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I've actually seen changes in the in the positions the candidates take once they've received support from certain, uh, for example, the Koch brothers or whatever it might be. In other words, you could see the the corruption actually taking place, the influence taking place of the money. Uh, as we oh, uh, absolutely, they they need this money. They need this <clears throat> money to be reelected. And you know, part of the thought was that you know, it, and unfortunately, it's not only in, you know Congress. The, the founding fathers figured for two years, okay, they're gonna, the, the Congress would reflect the will of the people, they might change, it might be even a little more corrupt because they're always running for election. Yeah. We thought, or the founding fathers thought, six years for senators, that would be enough time that, that they don't have to worry about being reelected from day one. But we see today that the day after a senator gets elected, he's already worried about his next campaign six years ahead. It's true, so true. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Uh, great for kids of all ages, by the way. I hope you check it out. Multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. As usual, Mark, always appreciate your commentary. I'm so glad to hear that you're okay. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Sorry for the delay. No thank worries. You. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Larry Reed. He is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. And a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. I hope you check it out on the website. Get tickets, by the way, golfshoreplayhouse.org, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We educate young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that through our very robust website, which is fee.org and through events that we hold on campuses and in schools all over the country and sometimes overseas. Fee.org, I've been to national conferences where I've seen young people celebrate freedom and personal responsibility. It is so inspiring. So I hope you take a look at the website and pass on the word to have anybody high school or college age in your life and introduce them to fee.org. There you wrote a terrific piece. I found it so inspiring about courage. Uh, maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, I think courage is one of the most important character traits uh, <clears throat> that we can uh, encourage in other people because it really is the starting point for everything else, every other value that we hold, every other character trait that we possess really takes on uh, actual meaning when we apply courage uh, to stand by them. Uh, the late science fiction writer Ray Bradbury celebrated courage, and he once wrote, go to the edge of the cliff and jump off. Build your wings on the way down. Yeah. And that's really <laughs> a great quote, and it's really the, the way uh, uh, he, uh, heroes of courage really conduct themselves. They so rarely go into risky situations knowing the outcome or even fully understanding what the risks are, but... They do it because they know it, uh, their course to be right, and they uh, have what it takes to uh, stick by it, regardless of the chances for success or the risks that they face along the way. So without courage, I don't think you can have freedom. Uh, a timid people in a dangerous world are not likely to remain free. So free people have to muster courage quite frequently in order to preserve the liberties that they have. Well, I think as Billy Graham, you actually quoted uh, the fact that uh, he said courage is contagious. And once somebody steps up, uh, and you see it so often, when somebody steps up and, and, and demonstrates courage, it encourages courage in others as well. Yeah, exactly right. You see this on the battlefield. <clears throat> you see it uh, in every other uh, walk of life as well. When people uh, make it plain that they're going to uh, stand by what they believe to be right at whatever the risk. It does tend to cause uh, others to ha 
stiffen their spines as well. Exactly. Now, you speak in the column of two types of courage, physical courage and uh, let's call it ethical courage or mental courage. Uh, but uh, examples of physical courage on the battlefield, for example, are much more uh, likely and more uh, prevalent. Yeah, moral courage uh, may not involve a physical risk, although quite often it does, mm -hmm. but it's uh, the willingness to stand by moral principles uh, in the face of opposition or ridicule, those kinds of things. And uh, uh, Mark Twain said that it was curious that physical courage should be so common in the world and moral courage so, so rare. So uh, we probably need more of both, but moral courage, certainly in difficult times when values are being undermined, certainly the, uh, moral courage is, is much needed. Absolutely. And uh, you highlight, uh, and I've, I've known through the years and having you on the show that uh, you have been very active in the Polish resistance during uh, the, the Cold War and so forth. And now uh, you've highlighted in your column uh, a Pole who uh, you really emulate and think is a, has been demonstrated great courage. Yes, his name was Jan Novak Yezerensky. And that's, I know it's hard to pronounce, but he was one of the most notable fighters of the Polish resistance against both the Nazis and the Soviets during World War II. He was a courier, often uh, venturing into uh, difficult parts of occupied Poland to secure messages, and then he would get his way out of Poland and get the messages to the Polish government in exile in London, and then go back uh, for the next time. Mm. And uh, he was captured by the Germans once. He escaped. Uh, he fought in the um, Warsaw Uprising and um, uh, was a very active journalist reporting on these activities as well as uh, doing the, uh, such, such great service for the Polish resistance. And you can imagine the bounty that must have been on his head uh, when he was Oh, absolutely. They were... The Nazis were trying to get him, of course, at all costs, and the Soviets would have loved to have captured him uh, as well. After the war, um, he continued to fight oppression as a broadcaster for the BBC and then for Radio Free Europe. He even served as an advisor to uh, two U.S. presidents, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. And when he died in 19, I'm sorry, uh, 2005, it was at the age of 90. And Bill Clinton, by the way, as uh, when he was president, uh, gave uh, Jan Novak Yezeransky the uh, highest honor that America gives uh, uh, to anybody, and that's the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Wow. Uh, and you're going back for award ceremonies in November to Poland. Uh, I would just imagine that you're probably on the list of one that would receive an award. <laughs> well, I'm a humble person, so I don't talk a lot about it, but the Polish government is going to give me uh, the highest honor that it gives to a foreigner in November, and it's because of work that I did uh, to assist the Polish underground, the anti-communist resistance, uh, way back in the late 1980s. Congratulations to you, Larry. And I must say before we uh, say goodbye today that uh, you know I have to, you have to admire the courage of those that signed the Declaration of Independence. Many died, many lost their fortunes, many had suffered uh, immeasurably because of their act of bravery and courage. Uh, but you know it's because of what they did that we actually have a free country for all these many years. Absolutely right, Bob. And if, if it wasn't for their courage, 
as well as their principle um, and their uh, devotion to principled ideas, uh, who knows where we'd be today. No question. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Again, fee.org is the website, fee.org. Larry, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg. Jim is the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, so he's kind of a financial guy on one hand. On the other hand, he retired a couple of years ago, and now he's writing great novels of murder mysteries. Uh, his latest is no problem. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that Blue Provence commercial reminds me that the Blue Provence received the highest award from Wine Spectator for the best wine cellar. It's among the top 100 wine cellars in the world. Now, cellars being C-E-L-L-E-R-S. But uh, I hope you'll visit uh, not only Blue Provence for a great dinner, but also for a great opportunity to get some coveted wine. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries since he's retired. His first is uh, Follow the Leader. The second is Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel is, quote-unquote, No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's great, Bob. Let me mention that I think our country is oversupplied with murder mysteries. It's the, um, it's the one area where we have a surplus. But I, I've, I've been thinking that the... Um, uh, your listeners are probably well represented in the upper 1%. And 
And people in the upper 1%, and I include myself, have a problem. <laughs> We're old and we have stocks, and you see newspaper headlines. Why are the old people still in stocks? Well, the, the reason is, if we sell our stocks, we get hammered with uh, taxes. So it's better, it's better just to sit tight. Uh, and I mention that because I see bubbles bursting. Uh, I think we're going to see uh, the real estate bubble burst, the stock market bubble burst. And the reason is, in the th- current quarter, um, inflation is way up, and the GDP is roaring. The economy is still red hot. So I go to the Atlanta Fed, which has a, um, a, a gauge which measures inflation in real time. Mm-hmm. And it's showing that the third quarter GDP is 5.8%, and this, wow. which is huge. And, and uh, the margin of error in this figure is about 1%. So even if they're, they're off in general, we're still talking over 4% GDP. Uh, if you go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics webpage, and, and this is easy for your listeners to remember, it's www.bls.gov. They have a, uh, an economics daily. It's called TED. And they have wonderful statistics, and it shows that the consumer price index year over year from July 2022 to 23 uh, was up 4.9% hmm. uh, versus, versus 8.5% for the previous year. The 4.9% is big. That's, that's or, or I'm sorry, food prices increased 4.9% right. versus 85 the year before. I mean, that's still huge for, for your average person trying to put food on the table for their families. Um, and now we have an increase in gas prices coming. So um, it's setting the stage, I think, for, for bubble bursting and stagflation because, uh, you know, the stock market bubble will break, the real estate bubble will break because people can't afford mortgages anymore. And people are struggling to put food on the table because even with wage increases, it's not keeping up with food prices going up 4.9% or pump prices up $4 a gallon now. And let let me make an observation, Jim. The fact that food prices go up 10%, let's just use it as a round, or or let's suppose cumulative up 15% since the beginning of uh, 2021. You know, it, just because inflation goes down doesn't mean those food prices are going down. They're going to stay the same unless we have some sort of deflationary pressure on the economy. Well, that's true because they're to your point, they're sticky. You know, yeah. when people raise, when companies raise prices, they factor that into their operating budgets, and they're going to be very, very slow right. to change their operating budget. Uh, the other thing is we have uh, Hurricane Hillary, aptly named, hitting California now. It's go- it's going to impact food production in from California. It's going to uh, impact shipments from the Port of Los Angeles to the rest of the country. So we're going to see uh, a spike in inflation, which may be temporary, but but nonetheless, it it will have real impact on the economy. Yeah. 
and the war in the Ukraine and, and the effect on grain prices, uh, you know, our country doesn't import grain from the Ukraine, but, but when the rest of the world can't get that grain, yep. some of our grain is going to go to the rest of the world. That's economics, and food prices here are going to increase. So uh, uh, the bottom line is prepare for a shock in the third quarter, number one. And number two, uh, this is really bad news for Joe Biden because, um, uh, you know, deserved or not, whoever is president always claims credit for the economy. So uh, when it turns bad, it's it's uh, uh, their problem as well. Yeah. So, uh, this is going to be very, very bad for the incumbent. Uh, just a couple of items that to add on here is that uh, we've got this Evergrande uh, situation in China, and uh, the overhang from that and the contagion that could occur as a result of that could be pretty precipitous as well. So that's a real concern. A Chinese economy is not doing well. He's the president of China saying, "I hate, I want you guys to have patience." Well, why would they have patience? <laughs> you know, twenty-five percent of the people between the ages of nineteen and twenty-eight don't have a job in in China. So this that's a big problem as well. The other question, the other point though, I wanted to make: sometimes in an inflationary economy, it's good for stocks. Now, if earnings go down, obviously that's going to be bad for stocks. But it looks like, as you're saying, the economy's kind of chugging along right now. So. Uh, inflationary pressures can actually push up the value of stocks. Yeah, I just think the stocks are are so overpriced. Ah. Uh, I've actually been moving into bonds. <laughs> I see an opportunity in bonds for, for, for the next two, over the next two years. Ah. I take a longer-term view. Uh, I'm not putting new money in stocks. I'm not selling, because again, because I don't want to get hammered uh, with taxes, number one, and number two. Uh, you know, I'm 74. I've been through these cycles, and over the long run, stocks are great. So I, I'm not I'm not going to panic. But I do I do see these uh, bubbles bursting because of lower earnings. To your point, I think earnings will be lower because of uh, higher interest rates, which in, increase operating costs. The slowdown in China will affect uh, U.S. exports, so right. that, that will have an impact as well. So uh, I just think the uh, third quarter is going to be um, a really rough period for uh, U.S. investors. Well, and, you heard uh, it first here. That's the canary in the coal mine <laughs> From Jim McTagg, again, I just encourage you to take a look at Jim's novels as well. And his latest is No Problem. But by their, their sequel, so you could start with uh, Follow the Leader, then uh, Shake the Money Tree, and then uh, No Problem. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. It's kind of a wild ride with uh, Mark not being available in the first segment, but we had good fun, and I learned a lot. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. We've got some great guests, including Kathleen Pasadoma, the president of the Florida State Senate. We'll visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Boo Mortensen will be joining us as well, former radio personality up in Madison, Wisconsin. And my wife, Linda, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you pass on the word to your friends and acquaintances. That's how we uh, support our advertisers. I really appreciate your listening to the show. Thanks for your support. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you go or wherever you are. Namaste.
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>